Abba, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy in taking me into this new day. Teach me, guide me. You know these things are coming. You know that this is a particular day. A lot of special areas in this that I traveled, but you're with me. You're beside me or with me. The Holy Spirit, you guide me and teach me. Abba Yahweh, Amen. Yeshua, Amen. Parakletos, Amen. So in my lessons, my teachings, and my readings, I came upon something that is very appropriate. So, how how do we, <laughs> well, there's no gentle way to put it, really. Are we walking the walk and talking the talk, or are we just cheapening the grace of God that he gave to us in our salvation? Are we demonstrating God's love, or are we just talking it? Are you acting like a Christian, or are you just walking around with that tape label on your forehead saying, I am a Christian? Why? Because you say so? <laughs> How about because you demonstrate it? I remember an old song in, um, I was in high school, and they were singing this in the churches, and when the uh, WWJD thing became this big, huge deal, what would Jesus do? And then everybody started making these little logos and there were bumper stickers and this and that and the other thing. But the reality is there. The reality is there and the question remains to be seen. And many people that have these labels taped on their heads said, I'm a Christian. Well, what would Jesus do in that situation? Because you're not doing it. You're certainly not doing it. And remember, if the shoe fits, wear it. And if it doesn't, don't get your knickers in a twist because when I talk about you, how am I going to say you and that means something specific? I don't. I can't see you. I'm not sitting here and saying this is a, a generalized statement to get us to think and ponder about what we're doing. I have to do it too. I got to do it every day. When I get up in the morning and, and I begin the prayer with God to walk with me and guide me and teach me in that day, make sure that I'm doing... The, what I'm supposed to be doing and not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. So are you cheapening the grace of God? Are you appreciative of it? And are you praying to him every morning when you, before you start your day? Because you woke up and he gave you breath. You at least need to wake up and say, thank you, Father. Are you cheapening his grace by just taking it for granted? They'll never take God for granted. And so many people do this thing, and, and they try to cheapen his gifts by uh, scientific explanation. They try to figure it out with the finite minds. I saw something demonstrated of God last night, and there will be some who will try to explain it away with, oh, the conditions were just so, and blah, 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 blah. So... I saw a beautiful, colorful sunset, but the sun had already gone down. It had already been down. Usually you see it before the sun goes down below the horizon and the colors come up and really beautify the sky. 
but God and I had been talking about, I, I love, I love to tell him my appreciation for the, I mean, he did something with the clouds last night, the textures and the feathering, everything was so beautiful. But a thing that was, and actually I was surprised at it because I was trying to, I had never seen it before. So the sun was down, decent sunrise, but then I got a little farther down the road and then time was by and it was actually starting to darken in the sky. And then it came out in this bend in the road and I looked up and the sky was filled with magentas, dark roses, oranges, purples, lavenders, beautiful coloration over all these feathered textured clouds. Sun was already down. And I thanked him for the beautiful sunset because I had missed the bright one when I was a little farther back the road. And he shared that with me, he shared that artwork. And of course, as I say, there will be those who will try to explain their way and conditions, blah, 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 blah. I just choose to accept it and say, thank you, Father. That was really beautiful, and I appreciate that you did that for me. God has graced me and given me some beautiful things that I don't deserve because, because I don't. I don't want to ever take anything God does for granted. He has allowed me to see things in my life that many people have never seen. I am, I am so blessed that I am what they call the one in the one percent club, and that's one percent of the entire population, the entire world. I've ever seen the great blue whale in the wild. And I got to see what the captain of the boat was thinking was a mating pair. We never saw the calf, but we saw both of the blue whales together. Bigger than the boat, absolutely beautiful, and just amazing. God allowed that to happen for me, and that was just really, really awesome. I've seen... St. Elmo's fire. And there are many people who have not, who have actually looked for it for decades and never seen it. What has come to be known as St. Elmo's fire is, and some people call it the green flash, when the sun is just in the right position on the horizon, just a barely a thin line, and then right before it drops down below the horizon, completely gone, there's this green flash that goes up from what appears to be the center of the top of the sun that just jets up in the air and then just vanishes. Sailors have come to call that St. Elmo's fire. I've, I got to see it one, one evening and it was amazing. Quite honestly, I've been looking for it ever since. <laughs> I've seen two comets that people don't normally see, one in a lifetime if they don't look, but I got to see two of them that because of their elliptical orbit out into space and coming back that they've been set on, is you might be lucky to see one in a lifetime, but I got to see two. And I probably, more than likely, unless God sees otherwise, will not be here when they come back. 
and he allowed this. God allowed this. I don't try to, I took a lot of science. I love science. I love learning biology and I love, and the schools that I went to in the military, which is why all these people piping off all the science said just, <laughs> it's comical to me because nobody is. But at any rate, let me stay on point, is that people will try to explain things away in temporal language and they will minimize the grace of God by explaining it away in terms of our mammon existence. This existence wouldn't be here if it weren't for God. We would not be continuing if it were not for the grace of God. And do you really honestly believe that we deserve to just, I mean, there's so many, there's so much hatred in the world. There's so much derisiveness in the world. There's so much, it, it's, it saddens me, but at the same time, it allows me to share. And because of the grace of God that he does not want this world to be as it was done in the time of Noah. God said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. I've done that. I don't like it. I want my creation that I love, that I love. I want them to have the opportunity to be adopted into the family, into the kingdom of heaven. I want them to be with me. I love them. And I want them to want to be with me. So he gave us a free will choice. He wants us to want to be there. This is grace and mercy. We don't deserve it, but by his grace and his love, he allows it. And further, he allows us to continue to breathe, to operate, and to, to come around, which is his desire that we accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son, that we believe on him, and that we want to be there. That is the grace of God. But are you like those that try to explain everything away by temporal explanation and finite fiddlings in the mind. Are you going to be like Nero? You say, well, what's that supposed to mean? Well, are you going to stand idly by? Or are you going to do something? And the analogy of Nero, because... Rome was burning and being sacked, and he was playing his fiddle. He wasn't being the emperor or directing his army or doing anything, really, except playing his fiddle. And this is where the term fiddling around came from. Are you going to do something or are you just going to fiddle around? Well, that came from Nero. Thank you, Emperor Nero. So... Let me ask you this again. 
Are you doing something about what God has asked us to do? Or are you just fiddling around, just kind of sitting around? Are you on that easy chair with your feet up and the stone rolled across the front of your tomb? Or are you sharing the gospel as we've been directed to do? And we need to learn, we need to learn to trust God, have faith in God, really trust him. And we have to believe that what he tells us in the Bible is that there will be nothing that can separate us from his peace. And you think that you have peace when you go out and you get a couple shots of whiskey or sit down and drink some brews to the guys after the long week of working hard and you go hang out and you pound down a few tall ones and then you just sit back and you're kind of in this fog, this stupor and you're looking for peace and relaxation. Then you wake up and you got a headache because you drank too much and you have a have this throbbing hangover and you don't feel very peaceful. You're stumbling around, you stub your toe, then you get ticked off because that happened. Then you look in the medicine cabinet, you don't have any more aspirin and you can't take anything. And now you're really agitated, but you did that. And Jesus told the disciples when he came into the locked upper room, they were fearful for what the Jews were going to do to them because they saw and they knew of what they did to Jesus. And if they did that to them, what more are they going to do to us? So they were in the locked upper room and they were afraid and they were praying and they were upset. And Jesus manifested right in front of them, the locked door. And Jesus said, peace be unto you. Peace, my peace, not the peace that you seek from this world, but my peace, true peace. Okay, so are you running around out there trying to find ways to have peace? Trying to, are you trying to figure it out? Or are you sitting back and trusting God? Follow Jesus, trust in God, and do what the Holy Spirit guides us to do. Yes, I will. Yes, I do. Let's go. And remember this too, that God is not going to allow us into anything that we cannot endure. He knows if we're going to make it through. But that white noise interference is accompanying us. It's like that backbeat music. God is trying, leading us through and going, Satan doesn't want us to follow. He wants us to be disrupted. He wants us off that path. So he's going to feed the notions into your head that I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're not going to be able to do this. Hey, God's not going to be. Where's God? Where's God? You can hear me. Where's God? And he gets you to believe his lies he convinces you. you. Look around. You see it happening all around. The lies. And he manipulates other men and women to do his bidding. And he gets you convinced of this. So what do you do? 
many will hunker down and just as close as they can get to the ground, they squat down and then they put their hands over their head and they start whining and whimpering and belly aching instead of leaning into the everlasting arms of the Lord who is with us, whithersoever we go, us, wherever we're at the peak or in the valley, it doesn't matter. Point A to point B, he's traveling with us in our emotional states. On our emotional highs, he's there and we have to remember that he got us there. And the emotional lows, the, the distress of losing a loved one and being hurting, God is with us in our grief. He's with us in our joy. And he brings us that peace in all things. So again, I ask you, are you diminishing the grace of God? Are you taking away from it? Or are you wearing that taped on label on your forehead? Or are you walking the walk, talking the talk and sharing the word? Trust him. It, here's the thing you, you, have, you must understand. That faith in God pretty much goes contrary to everything that we have grown up knowing and are aware of unless we had a church-filled life, a walk in the church. See, I grew up that way. And it wasn't always that way. I remember as a kid going to play cards with grandma and grandpa and they're sitting around while they're playing, smoking, and drinking beer. Grandma and grandpa, but well, grandma had quit smoking at a much younger age. But mom and dad and grandpa. And then when my aunt and uncle came over and they were all sitting around drinking beer and smoking. Then I remember when they had, you know, and still going to church on Sunday. And then I remember when they gave all that up. And things changed. Prayer meetings. Church and raising up and walking, the walk not just talking the talk. And then of course, I and my finite mind thought that I could handle things better. Of course, the foolish thing that I did. And I shared that with you, you know, I instead of instead of listening to the word of God and being a godly man that I should have been, I was not I was listening to what my fellow Marines were telling me and believing them instead of talking to my wife and talking to God and praying through it and reading the word. And I I pretty much single-handedly destroyed that. But, you know, I I think... And you have to understand something, and I'm learning more and more, and the Holy Spirit is opening things up, is that why things don't work out on that side and why they had never worked out is because my heart was given away a long time ago, really given away, and God did that. But then I kicked it around, and I foolishly did what I did. So... Here I sit. And 
it took a while to get to be okay with that. Because see, this is God's doing. God's allowance. And my faith in God tells me so. Not in trying to figure things out with my finite mind because I tried to do that and failed miserably at it many, many, many times. I, I tried to figure out what and, and then laying the onus on, on others. That's the other thing that we do. We can't figure it out, so then we have to blame someone else. But when you start doing that, that is the devil working in and through you. And yes, it is capable to do. You can't say, well, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. Well, hogwash. You're only a Christian because you got that uh, wash-off tape label on your forehead that says so. You're not resisting. You're not fighting. You're not... You're not rebuking anything that's being said, you're just going along. So don't sit there and say that. This is a thing that many Christians believe is, oh, I'm a Christian now, so they can't bother me. Well, it's like the church. It's not like in the Hippocrates films where the vampires can't cross the threshold because it's it's sanctified, it's holy ground, and they can't go into church, so they melt into this little puddle or they just don't try to come in. Well, that's baloney because the demons will do come in to churches. They like to take a piggyback ride on those that claim to be a Christian. They bring all that stuff in there with them. And the greatest joy that they get is disrupting a church. Dismantling, they love to try to dismantle a church by causing rumors and strife going on. It's happening with me now. And I go ahead, except that I rebuke them. Because I, I see what's going on. The Holy Spirit tells me what's going on. He's giving me discernment in this. And all I do is stay in prayer. And that's what we have to do. We have to stay in that prayer, have faith in God. Not in mammon and not what men and women will tell you. And don't put your faith in them. Put your faith in God. Listen to what they say and guide you when they're sharing from the word of God. And they're trying to teach from the word of God. Listen to that word. Try the Spirit. Make sure, because the Holy Spirit's going to tell you if they speak truth or if they are speaking lies and false doctrines and teachings. Jesus warns us, there will be many who will come in my name, but do not listen to them when they say, Christ is here, Christ is here. Oh, Christ is over there. We have Christ, we have Christ, we have Christ. Don't listen to them because they're teaching false doctrines and false teachings and they lead you astray. He tells us, be warned of that. And every time, and remember this, the word Christ doesn't mean the physical form that Jesus is there or over here, over there. That's not what he's saying. Remember the word Christ, anointed of God, appointed of God, anointed and appointed. That's what Jesus is. His only begotten son came and was sacrificed for us. So these people are claiming that God has anointed their church or this person over here and over here and over here. And when you go, there's no real manifestation of that truth because it wasn't truth. And what you do is like, I almost hate to even say it again, but I went to this place because I was, it was during this COVID thing and everybody was separated church. There's are still churches that are closed, actually still closed. And they're only doing uh, Facebook and this other webpage that they set up. And that's the only way that you can do services with a church. 
let me share this with you in saying that, is that there are ways to get the word out. This thing that God has given me here lets me project that word out to a greater, greater place, greater way that I would not normally have a way to do that. There are people who are still afraid to come out and join together. We are a gathering people. The book of Hebrews tells us, don't be afraid to gather as some others are still afraid. And and this church, and I travel by it in my work regularly, and it's still board, I mean, boarded up, closed up, and they haven't been meeting since the... um, since the first week after the quarantine period that was mandated by, never mind, I don't want to get into that because I'm going to start going to scientific truth. But anyway, the truth in the word of God, they've been boarded up since that time. That's a long time for a church to stay boarded up and closed. What that tells me is that they're being fearfully driven. They're not just afraid, they're being fearfully driven. Don't be fearfully driven. It will cause you to act and react in ways that you normally would not. That's what fear does. And Satan loves that because you're going to react harshly to other people. You're not going to be around them. And I mean, oh my gosh, stuff gets insane when you talk about this thing with the map. People will get insane. But here's the funny thing. They're not even wearing it properly. They're not even doing what they should be doing. And yet they're getting mad at other people and telling me that I have to say something to somebody else because they're wearing a mask and the other person is not. And I'm supposed to do something about it. I can say something. You really need to have a mask on. It's required, blah, 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 blah. But they want me to enforce it. I can't. I am mandated by protocols that were established. by I can't do that. If I have problems, I can call somebody those of higher authority and they will do what they got to do. But here's the greatest thing. And, and there will be some that, that will disagree. Well, I don't really care because they're following the line of truth is that you have the superior court for this state and several other states, along with the CDC. Those are the people who helped to establish the, the quarantine and all this stuff anyway. They have come together in agreement and said that we don't have a reason to require masks anymore. So I just tell people, I said, you know, you're not required to wear that. You can if you want to, but then they still do and they don't wear it. Probably they pull it down below their nose or they, uh, their facial attributes are so diminutive and they have these masks that are huge. So I, I don't know. <laughs> But this is this is the temporal truth, the truth that comes from mammon and not the truth that comes from the word of God. But God is with us through everything, everything, wherever we go, to the peaks, to the valleys, to the depths of the sea, is there. David writes about this. Where am I going to go that you're not there? God promises to be with us wherever we go. And his grace in every adversity that we go through and We might think that it's really harmful or bad or terrible or anything, but remember this, God says, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. He's not gonna allow it to destroy you and and all these things and, and 
you know, others try to assess blame for this and that and the other, and they try to figure it out with their finite minds, and they're actually going contrary, completely contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. And when Joseph, and this is in, in, my, in my readings that Joseph actually used this and said it to his brothers, remember, Joseph believed in God. God gave him some dreams and visions, and he tried to share those with ones he loved, his brothers. And they mocked him, and they got upset with him, and then they became very jealous of him because his father had had made for him a coat of many colors. They have a rose that grows really tall. Actually, if you allow it to grow and trim it back and take care of it, it'll go six, seven feet tall. But the interesting thing about this plant is that all the way around it, you have roses of different colors on the same plant. And it's called Joseph's coat. The thing about Joseph's coat was that it was beautiful and rather extravagant while the brothers became jealous and uh, they beat Joseph up and they threw him in a hole. They were going to leave him there to die. And then they said, oh, they can't do that. So they sold him. And the caravan came along and and uh, took off. Joseph was finally sold into slavery in Egypt, far, far away from his father. And the story goes that Joseph actually wrote, because of his faith in God and his belief in God, and because God was walking with him, Joseph rose to a very prominent position. And this is how Israel first came into Egypt. And during that time that that Pharaoh was head of all, Joseph was actually made head of all, of all in Egypt and was second only to Pharaoh himself. Joseph became a very powerful man in the land of Egypt. And his brothers showed up because there was drought and famine and all this going on. So they came into Egypt to buy grain and they didn't recognize Joseph when he first appeared to them and, and brought them to his house, but he had heard that they were there. So he set up this little, and they didn't, they didn't recognize him because they believed him to be dead. And they had told their father a lie that he was dead. So anyway, as the story progresses on, Joseph recognizes them. He brings them in and he plays this game on them. He speaks Egyptian they, of course, don't understand. They don't recognize him. So he speaks through an interpreter in his house to tell them. And he feeds them and takes care of them and uh, sets his whole thing up. And then later on, after they come back, they bring their father and all this stuff, uh, you know, and then they, he makes them leave their youngest, the youngest uh, Benjamin with him and sends them back to bring their father. And uh, he reveals himself to Benjamin. And and then after, through the story, Joseph tells him, you meant evil against me, but God meant it and used it for good. And then he, does, he doesn't go into this expounding saying, yeah, see what I become? Look what God did for me. And you, he doesn't tell me, they don't, he doesn't have to. They recognize and see it. But what does he do? Through the grace of God that was put in him, he forgives them. 
They tried to kill him first, then they sold him into slavery and lied to their father, but he forgives them. That's the love of God. He forgives them. And then he brings, he says, bring everyone, bring them here. We have plenty of food. It was put in stores. I, I talked to the Pharaoh, I convinced him of this vision, and we put things up in storage. We're going to make it through this. Bring them. So Israel came and was put in the land of Goshen, is where they first lived, in Egypt. And then, of course, that Pharaoh died, and the new Pharaoh came, and then you know what happened. All those counselors were speaking evil, and they became fearful of Israel because Israel was growing. They were fearful that they might become too powerful and rise up. So what did they do? They put him into bondage, some serious, serious work and starvation to weaken them and keep them separated from their families and separated to others so that they could get done what they wanted to get done. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what Satan is doing now, working on the separation, derision, staying away from others, don't be in contact with anyone Oh my goodness, I see it happening more and more and more. No interpersonal relationship or no interpersonal contacts. You can call, <laughs> pardon me, you can call in ahead on your phone or use a smart app that you can apply to and place an order for food. And I actually, I didn't know what the gentleman was doing until after I picked him up to take him back home. But he had done that with one of the burger joints in town and came back with a big old bag. And I was saying, wow, that was pretty quick. He goes, oh yeah, I called it in. And then on the bag, I noticed where it says that. Call in for pickup. You can do that. You don't even have to talk to people anymore, personally, interpersonal relationship. You do it all electronically. And the Prince of the Air is really relishing in this because nobody's contacting anyone anymore. They're staying apart, still. Quarantine's lifted, mass mandates being lifted, truth is being revealed more and more and more and more. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this, that when the utter truth is totally revealed, people are going to say, wow, we were really asses. Yes, you were. And just like when the end comes and we who know the Lamb of God will kneel down because we know who he is and we recognize the authority, they are going to become held to kneel down and directed to do so and they are going to have to confess the fact that he is Lord of Lords. And then they're going to begin that elbowing back and forth. Says, Why didn't you tell me this was happening? Why didn't you tell me? I tried to tell you, but you didn't listen. Oh, you never told. And then they're going to argue back and forth with who didn't tell who what, but the fact is that the chance was given to them and they did. They just didn't listen. They chose not to listen. Just like with this word, just like they did in the time of Jesus, just like they did with Paul and Peter and John and all of them that, that taught that they did. And just like with me now, you can either choose to hear what I'm saying, try my spirit and know that it's truth because I speak from the word of God. I'm not speaking to elevate myself to some kind of vaunted position. I don't, I don't need that. My authority, my validation comes from heaven, saint, university is signed by God, endorsed by the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And that's it. I don't need a piece of paper signed by some guy in some big building who declares himself the chancellor of this uni vaunted university and having this piece of paper for them. 
And I'm not diminishing that by folks who truthfully seek that knowledge and word and have prayed through it and God has delivered that opportunity for them. That's a different direction. I'm talking about like this person that comes, I don't ever hear him quote scripture. I never hear him speak from the Bible, but he's out there making this great production. And then he tried to get in my face with this thing. And I just told him straight up, I said, you can get that anywhere. You can get that on the internet. You tell me you're an ordained minister and I'm supposed to do all this stuff because you do. It doesn't work that way. The rules for the company don't apply that. You get nothing free simply because you're waving this piece of paper around. And was only being truthful. I wasn't being greatly confrontational with him. I just spoke truth. And I was allowed to do so because that discerning spirit came over me and just, I saw for what it is. And I see him now out there all the time screaming and hollering and drawing attention. Pharisaical practices, because the Pharisees usually love to do that. They would go out and they pray in public and they make a big show of it and a big production. And this person does that same thing. And then tries to teach people, but never from the word of God. It's nothing ever is taken from scripture. It's all word of mouth and supposedly that he, he know, and, and it's kind of hard. So when he gets on, he starts doing that to, to folks that are listening and he likes to talk loudly as I pray the Holy Spirit over that. And the Holy Spirit actually shuts his mouth <laughs> a couple times. The Holy Spirit has taken his hand and put it in and just grabbed onto the tongue and held it. In battles like that, we don't have to be confrontational, but the peace of the Lord is at hand and always with us and always available. And all these things that are going on that might be detrimental, just like Joseph told his brother, he said, you meant to do me evil, but God took it, turned around and made it good. And I'll paraphrase a little more. You see what I have become in this place. God did this for me. And now I can do for you. And I forgive you. You're my brothers. I love you. Bring everybody. And they did. So don't fear what this day or any day can come. What we need to do is we just need to believe in God, have faith in God, and just doing what he would have us to be done and do what we need to get done. And remembering that he is sovereign, which means that he is ruling over everything. And not only does he go before us, remember the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, but he goes with us. In every situation that we encounter, good comes around. Good comes around. And remember I told you the rule of faith? Shared that with you. I, I, I love that. I love that. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> but the rule of faith. Go through from the beginning to the end and from the end to the beginning back and forth through the word of God and you will find in doing so that you will find Jesus Christ through the entire book of the Bible. Why is that? Because God, Jesus was the word. He was with God from the beginning. He became flesh and he came down here and died for us. So you will find things about Jesus through the entire Bible. But now we go to the book of Isaiah. 
Oh, I love this. So I was going to read directly from that first that verse, but I'm going to go back here. Uh, actually, starting in 26, verse 4. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is every everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city, he layeth it low. Even to the ground, he bringeth it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, and even the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright dost weigh the path of the just. Trust in the Lord. He is our eternal hope. He is our rock, our firm foundation. And as I shared with you, what Joseph told his brothers, uh, you can find that in Genesis uh, 50, is the story of Joseph and the coming of Israel to Egypt. And when he takes his brothers before his seat in his home, his very palatial residence that he was given because of his authority that he had in Egypt, And Joseph said unto them, this is uh, actually Genesis 50, starting in verse 19, for am I in the place of God? Uh, he tells them, Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you, and your little ones, and he comforted them, and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived an hundred and ten years. A hundred and ten years Joseph lived. God gave him longevity and had him living in that house. hundred and ten years. And his father brought there, and they dwelt there. And they lived in the land of Goshen. But here is something that we have to remember, and this is a really, really great and powerful. You gotta listen to it. It's not just this real pretty little poem. This is a powerful poem that David wrote in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sakes. Well, this is kind of important because the shepherds have shared this with me. Sheep are, get kind of a, they're kind of a skittish little animal sometimes. This is why it's important that the, sheep, that the shepherd takes care of them. And he leads us beside still waters because sheep, real sheep, live sheep, not analog sheep, or not elaginous sheep as we are, we're, we're an analogy. And, and it's really actually a good one. So the shepherd leads him beside still waters, no babbling brooks, no stones, and all these things, but he, he leads him beside a still pool that doesn't create a lot of noise because in the night, sheep will get nervous when they hear that babbling going over the stones and the rocks. They get nervous, they get skittish. So the shepherd finds a nice, deep, cool, slow-moving part of the stream a nice pool that they can drink from. 
and not get all agitated. But see, we is the sheep of the Lord. We get agitated when we get beside a stream and it gets too much turmoil and all this stuff. We look around and go, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Woe is us. Look, something's going to destroy us. And you hunker down in the storm instead of keep on walking with God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Interesting in that is that David is professing the shadow of death, and Jesus had not gone to hell and wrested the keys from Satan as yet. See, because up to that point, Satan was still had the keys. And he was still declaring his being in charge over death, and people feared death. That declaration by David right there, that's pretty powerful. Yea, though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, and after Jesus went down and wrested the keys from him and just snatched them away, the Lord is over all that, and when we pass from this plane of existence, we're met at the gate on the other side. Remember the valley of the shadow of death, a valley as a geological formation that is open-ended. means that it opens on one end and you can walk through the valley and it's open on the other end. It's not closed off as people believed it was before. It's not. So we're met at the entrance of the valley, guided through, and on the other side is the Lord and we're coming and we're welcomed into our kingdom, our home, our real home, and not this that many, even many Christians, so-called Christians, Declare this to be home. It's not yet. We're taken to heaven and then the new earth and the new Jerusalem, which was going to be purged by God's mighty hand. And all things will be made new. All things will be made new. So, reading again from 23.4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brothers and sisters, that's it in a nutshell. Trust in God. Have faith in God. Peace that he provides is real. That that we seek to find here from mammon is not real. It's not truth. And it could lead us badly astray. I know wherefore I speak. (laughs) Yes, I do. And not only sharing the truth and knowledge and wisdom of God but sharing and he allows me to share some things that I've walked through already because it is declaration of truth. You're in my prayers every day. Am I going out? Am I coming in? I'm sure that with you and, and I make a point to share that all the time. I pray for brothers and sisters who have accepted that Jesus is the only begotten son of God and have been adopted into the family and the kingdom of heaven, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ and others that are not sure yet, you can do the very same thing. I've shared with you of the walk. It's not an easy walk. And, and I have to share this truth with you further is that in acceptance of this, 
Satan doesn't like it. Why? Because he, he doesn't even like it that I share the word. He doesn't like it when any true Christians are doing what they're asked to do by God, commanded to do by God. He doesn't like that because that draws us closer. Satan does not want that. So he, he uh, runs interference with that white noise to convince us that we're not good enough and that we shouldn't be doing this and that because of something that we did, a trip, stumbling. Oh, look what you've done now. God doesn't want to talk to you. He didn't want to hear from you. You are worthless. And he convinces us of that. Not true. Not true. So when things get difficult, things get hard, raise your eyes to heaven because God sees you in all things wherever you are. And he loves for you to talk to him. Oh, he's watching what we're doing. And he's aware, but he likes us to declare that position to him, to talk with him. He's a good, good father. My earthly father knew, <laughs> used to bother me immensely because if it had been found out, I knew I'd be, I'd be in for a whooping. But many times it didn't happen. He knew and was aware of it, but he just wanted me to confess to him and talk through it with him. And let him know that I understood and that it was not appropriate. And, and then I'd be waiting for the whoop to come. And the whoop didn't come. And I looked around and he had walked out of the room. Okay. Now the angst came up in my little young heart because I was waiting for it. And it never happened. It didn't happen. So I just got up and started moving around and doing all the other things. He just wanted me to talk to him. Our Heavenly Father just wants us to talk to him. He knows what we did. He just wants us to confess that to him. He wants us to walk through it with him. He wants us to hold his righteous right hand and seek his face, seek his word, seek his truth. It takes practice. Paul writes it in his epistles through the Bible. Study to show thyself approved. Practice meditation. Practice and praying to through things continually. We can do so. I pray all day long. And sometimes there are lapses in that, but then I come over and I start talking to God again all through my day. I still have to practice to keep off the horn because there's some really knucklehead drivers in the state of Texas. I've come to find out in my travels all over this country, there's some of the worst drivers here. Drive a lot with their lights off at nighttime in the dark, running red lights and chasing stuff. And oh my goodness. So I hang on a horn. Not really hang on it like blasting an angry honk, but I just let them, hey, you have an 80 foot bus here with people on it. They pay no attention. So I see the little bird fly out the window and fly off into in the air. So. But the thing of it is that God is with us through all things. All things, all things, all things, all day long. Talk to him, be with him, walk with him, have faith in him. I pray for you on my going out, my coming in as I do every day. Have a good day.